Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting, and also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 279, Calling Lessons from a Master Turkey Caller. And I am your co-host and the guy who has a one-year-old gently used turkey vest for sale and i am your co-host and the guy who for the first time this year heard that's awesome i want to hear your story tell me all right so this weekend it was just too gorgeous still february on saturday but i was like i don't care i feel like even if it's February, they may gobble. It's such a pretty day after all the rain we've been having. If I was a turkey, I'd have to let one out on this kind of a day. So I went to the woods, new spot where I found a bunch of sign. All I'd found was hen sign, but where there's hens, typically males tend to hang out. So went in there, went to listening on the ridge top that I was on. First 10 owls, I didn't hear a thing. And then I let out one, and I'll just demonstrate. So... Instead of just going, my normal owl, after about 10 of those, I finally kind of threw in a, and got kind of higher pitched, and immediately, as you heard, and they sounded off. And for some reason, that morning, that high frequency made them gobble. And so I got them to gobble three times on the limb, Turned out they were right over me the whole time. I didn't even know it. Luckily, I was being pretty still or they would have seen me. And I saw them fly down and got them to gobble probably a dozen times on the ground in my face at 50 yards. And it was it was an awesome experience. <laughs> so it was, it was interesting, though. Even on the ground, I mean, I had crows fly over, cawing their heads off, Canadian geese fly over, honking really hard, yeah. other owls. The only thing that made those turkeys gobble for the entire morning was that was it you told me that you saw those turkeys were there any hens at all with them yes so not to leave out any gory details there were no hens it was 13 long-bearded gobblers in one flock and at one point they were 50 yards away from me sitting behind a tree i was peeking around the tree at them and i'd 
couldn't help it. I did that owl when they were on the ground facing me 50 yards away, and all 13 of them heads came out <laughs> ringing down that creek bottom I was in. And it, I started shaking just as hard as I have ever shook before I shot a turkey, and I didn't even have a gun with me. Hmm. If that doesn't get you ready for season, I don't know what would, because I, I can't sleep till season starts now. I mean, I've I I just been laying there thinking about it. And you had your phone with you, and that's how we got audio. Yes, I did not carry the really nice recorder and microphone that you sent me because it's not in my arsenal yet, I guess. I haven't gotten used to it. Never cro- never even crossed my mind that I could have a really cool experience like that. And so I greatly regret it. But luckily, I took a video of me owling and the turkeys gobbling so people do get to hear I'm not completely full of crap. Well not about this story yeah well yeah yeah, of course unless you had met me on that same property and asked did you hear any then i would have been completely full of crap because i would have said no i didn't even see a feather there's nothing in there i've never heard one in there correct (laughs) well what you don't know is that the last time i saw you I put the Famasafe Child Tracker app on your phone. Ah. And so I now have the location of where you heard those turkeys. Well, close enough because you were texting me about the time that you heard them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can I can backtrack and, and find within, I'd say, a couple hundred yards of where those birds were. So yeah. looking forward to seeing you there opening week, Cameron. So you've, you've outslicked me because, you know, that's why I didn't carry the recorder because you mailed it to me conveniently right before <laughs> turkey season, before scouting time. I mean, I've already looked it over. I feel like I'm looking for a bug. I don't see any tracking devices that are possible to be in there, but I'm not ruling it out. Correct. <laughs> so you are not the only person who saw turkeys this weekend, and that was not even my lead-in for the show. Mm. Yeah, I know you had to have your uh, your pitch for the new turkey vest you're trying to buy and sell. Oh, I've already bought the new turkey vest, and it has uh, already been delivered, and I have been wearing it around the house for the past <laughs> two days. Just watching TV in it, eating yes. dinner. Yes, and I have to tell you, I really like it Heck yeah. so far. Fantastic. I have one complaint about it so far, and that is that it's probably really more of a complaint about my physical build. I have no rear end. Mm -hmm. And this vest has minimal cushion. Mm. And so I can see where I'm probably at times, you know, those long afternoon sits when you don't really have anything going on. You just sit because, you know, you're in a good spot and Mm -hmm. the turkeys are quiet and you think, all right, this will be a good area to sit and try to just do some blind calling. That's going to get a little rough on my rear end, I, I know. But yeah, I'll be all right. I can deal with that. So, you know, worst case, I'll just have to pack some extra toilet paper and I'll stuff the rear end of my <laughs> pants full of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding about that. But seriously, so I, I'm getting off track a little bit, but I'm going to talk about turkeys here in a second. But I do have that vest, that long spur made by Alps, turkey vest that i bought last year for sale if somebody wants a really good price on a really expensive vest you need to hit me up 
andy at imturkeyhunting.com. When I say it's gently used, I mean it's not torn, ripped, no zippers pulled off, no buckles broken. It really is in good shape. What you're going to see is, well, if you buy this vest from me, you're going to know that I killed a turkey or two because (laughs) there might be some blood on it. It's been christened is what you're saying. It's been christened, no doubt. So because I'm all about full disclosure, one of the things that I don't like about the vest is that there is no back pouch. No game Mm -hmm. pouch in the back where I can just reach my hand in and pull my clippers out. It has a zippered, kind of like a fanny pack on the back side of it. So if I want something... You might be asking, what vest did you buy? Oh, I'll tell you in a second. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big secret. No, not Uh, really. The big reveal. Yeah. But that was enough for me to not like this vest, but a lot of people like that long, that Alps long spur vest. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've read some good reviews on it. Lots of good reviews on it, no doubt. And it's very well made. And, and you know, I'm not really promoting any one manufacturer of vests over another, but the vest that I just bought is also an Alps vest, and it's very well made. But it is the NWTF Impact Turkey Vest. And one of the things that I like about it is that that cushion that I was telling you about, that's not really a cushion, it's more of a seat. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a stadium stadium seat. You can just slide it out, and you don't yeah. have to have a tree to sit on. Yeah, that's nice. So I like that about it. And I like the game pouch in the back. I didn't really think when I got that long spur vest how much that I was going to miss a, a game pouch. But mm-hmm. and and that long spur does have a game pouch in it, but it actually comes off of a a pocket that is up really almost between your shoulder blades. Yeah, you have to pull it out, and it hangs separately. It's not attached like your game standard game pouch is on your turkey vest. So there is one. I never used it. But if someone wants that vest, look at what they cost new. And I will tell you that I think they're on sale on Midway USA right now. So I don't even know what they're for sale for. But look at what they're for sale for now and email me. Make an offer. Let your offer include shipping, by the (laughs) way, because that's going to cost me about 10 bucks to ship it out to you. So unless you live in Birmingham, and then we'll meet up for lunch and talk turkey, and I'll hand the vest over to you. But, yeah, turkey vest. Let's talk turkeys. Absolutely. Sunday, I went and burned my place south of Birmingham, control burn. You had good weather also, it sounds like. Very nice weather. And had a decent burn. It was not perfect like my burn I did three years ago, but it's it's way good enough. And as I was getting ready to leave... The woods are still smoking. I get to my truck, and there are 10 hens and two strutting longbeards in one of mm-hmm. my food plots. And I got kind of excited about that. that you was, think these are the uh, the same boys you've been seeing during deer season? I believe they are. I didn't have my binoculars, so I couldn't really study them. And trust me, I got enough pictures of those two birds to know what they look like. I see them in my sleep, in my dreams. <laughs> so I couldn't really get a 
a good up close and personal look at them since I didn't have my binox. But two toms together, strutting with a bunch of hens, mm. not 150 yards from where my, where my trail camera is and was. And I'm guessing it's probably the same birds. So, man, but that got you fired up, didn't it? You it heard did. a gobble, you mm. seen them strut. Yeah. It's time. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, man, that's a lot of info. We've had very eventful weeks, you and I have. Mm-hmm. And speaking of very eventful and a lot of info, we've got a show for the listeners today that is knock your socks off good. Oh, yeah. And I don't think our guest needs much of an introduction because if you've listened to this show regularly or you've paid attention to the hunting industry regularly, then you know the guest. He's a regular, about as regular as anybody other than Cameron and I are on this show. And he knows a thing or two about turkey callers or turkey calls. And that's what we're talking today. And Cameron and I have Preston Pittman on the show for you guys. And we are deep diving into diaphragm calls. And there's some really, really good info in this interview for you guys. We talk about a lot of different topics related to diaphragm calling and diaphragm callers, period. So tons of good info. This is an episode I'm going to tell you that if you have an interest in getting better running a diaphragm caller, you're going to listen to this episode multiple times. Absolutely. And I don't think I can say too much more about it other than... All I can say is that I'm sad to inform the listeners that due to some work obligations, I was only able to join in physically in the call for the last 10 minutes or so. You won't be hearing my voice very often throughout the call, but Andy did a fantastic job interviewing Preston, and honestly, you didn't need my two cents anyway to get some really good info out of this one, so... Yeah, this is good stuff. And just so you guys know, because in the surveys that a lot of you did for me, the listener surveys at the beginning of the year, you know, I heard or read some of the comments that you guys made of, please go back and and don't do the premium subscription. Get advertisers or sponsors and give us the entire episodes for free. And I'm not going to get into the whys of why we're not going to do that just yet. What I'm going to tell you is if the $18 a year for the premium subscription of the Turkey Hunter podcast scares you because you think you may be throwing away 18 bucks, or if it just goes against your grain and you don't want to spend $18 to listen to a podcast, then Cameron and I have worked out a way for you guys to be able to listen to the premium content of any episode going forward in its entirety. So you're going to be able to listen to all of these episodes in their entirety by buying a single premium content episode. So, for example, yes. when Preston gets to the part in our interview tonight, where he says, and let me give you guys the tip that is going to improve your success in the turkey woods by 50% this coming season. Are you ready for it? And then you hear me say, and that's all I've got for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You can actually <laughs> go to our website, which is theturkeyhunterpodcast.com. 
And Preston doesn't really say that in this episode, by the way. But when you go to theturkeyhunterpodcast.com, all of the episodes for the Turkey Hunter Podcast are going to pull up. And you will see 279PS, as in premium single. And you can click on that episode and you can purchase that one episode for the low, low price of 99 cents. This episode's worth 99 cents. <laughs> this episode's worth 18 bucks plus yeah. shipping and handling, which we don't Absolutely. even charge. So this is something that Cameron and I have been working on. You know, we hear you guys. We understand where you're coming from when you say, bring us sponsors, bring us advertisers, give us the entire episode for free. We understand that, but we want you to understand that it requires a lot more work for us to handhold sponsors once we get them to keep them on the show because this is such seasonal content. And you guys have to think about how you listen to this show because most of you listen to this show either from January 1 or February 1 or March 1 until the end of your turkey season and you don't listen to it anymore. So our advertisers or sponsors who would come on and participate in this show are not getting their money's worth. And I don't want to do that to them. You guys are getting some extremely good content from this show, I feel like, and Cameron feels like, and a lot of you feel like, because you give great feedback on the show. And we appreciate that. We love that. But it's just too much work for Cameron and me to have to solicit advertisers and keep the advertisers. And also, I've mentioned this before as well, it's difficult for me to have Primos, I'm using them as an example, to have Primos as an advertiser to the show and then get Preston Pittman on it. Exactly. It handcuffs us on the content we can put out. Very, very, very much so. I don't think that's fair to Primos to bring Preston Pittman on the show if Primos is sponsoring this show. Exactly. That is why we do what we do with the premium content. We want you guys to be able to pick up these single episodes. If something piques your interest and you want to hear the rest of it, you can go spend a buck. And for you guys who are only listening to two or three months of content of the Turkey Hunter podcast until your season opens up, then this might be cheaper than spending 18 bucks just by going and buying individual episodes. Yeah. Or if you have a long drive on a turkey hunting trip and need something to listen to. You can spend one buck and you got hour, hour and a half, maybe even two hours, certain episodes of content to listen to get you psyched for your turkey hunt. Yeah. So I think that's a very fair deal. They charge a buck for a two and a half minute song on iTunes. We're charging it for a hour long podcast with the professionals in the industry. Yes, indeed. So speaking of professionals in the industry, what do you say we cut them loose with Preston Pittman? Let's hear it. All right. See y'all on the other side. Let's tell y'all what, folks. I'm going to spring something on y'all tonight that Andy knows nothing about. Uh-oh. And it's going to go like this right here. Andy, I want you to figure out on your podcast, I've been doing this for years and years and years with you, on how you can do a contest. And here's what the winner's going to get. At the end of season, and my season shuts down about May the 20th because I'm only doing a bunch of traveling, filming with Mojo Outdoors this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, You figure out the contest, and whoever wins the contest 
will call me, and I'll work one-on-one with them, and I will laser engrave a one-of-one call, which is a $200 value, to the winner of the contest. So now, buddy, that's in your court. How you doing? Man. Hey, you know, I'm always good when I'm talking to Preston Pittman, but I might be doing a little bit better today after you just dropped that bomb on me. I just thought we'd do something special. We've been doing this too many years not to reward the faithful listeners to your show. Well, man, I, I appreciate that. That's awfully kind of you. So, yeah, I'll have to come up with something good. You know, I've been toying around with the idea of doing an owl hooting contest and letting everybody put their entries on Facebook or Twitter or, read, you know, let them put their entry in there somehow, some way. I don't know that that's what I'm going to do because no, there's a lot no. of details to iron out with that, but I might I might go that route. If I do something like that, then I'll narrow it down and pick the top five and then maybe get you back on and we pick a winner together. We can either do that or either you can do a random drawing or what are we going to talk about tonight? I've just been itching after coming back from Nashville. And okay. now you and I have had this discussion before several times. I am never going to be one of those guys up on the stage because I don't have the ear for it. What I mean by that is I, I'm not much of a musician. I can't really tell you what sound it is that they're making, but I can tell you it sounds good. You know, so I can tell good from not good calling. I'm not good calling. Uh, you, want te- you want me to teach you how to get better and yes. everybody else out there? I want I want to do now, that. We're going to work <clears throat> on some of that tonight. But, yes, I want to hear what you have to say. Okay. Well, well here, here we go. How about this? We're just kicking off right now. Uh, of course, I go back to the old days of cassette recorders. That means I've yeah. got no hair on my head, okay? <laughs> but let's put it like this. Let's say you go on YouTube and you pick out me, Matt Dan Size, Walter Perry. I don't care who. Whoever you like the sound of their calling. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to play that but have a second recording device. Play it, and then I want you to mimic it. Then I want you to pause, and I want you to go back because now it's nonstop. Let's say it's my yelping, and then all of a sudden you hear your yelping. Then you start tweaking it. Well, he's a little raspier. He's a little higher pitch. He's got a higher note in the beginning. He's got a lower note at the end. Whatever appeals to you, which is going to appeal to the turkeys, it ain't going to matter. But you're actually getting to hear it as you are comparing yourself to somebody else. That's what I used to do in the old days whenever I was still in competition. If I got my little rear end beat, which I did more than one time, then I would always have a cassette recorder uh, somewhere out in the audience or somebody taping for me. And we didn't even have video cameras back in the in, – well, we're talking about Stone Ages, okay? Telling you, yeah. And I – I, I would play that back and I'd listen and I would improve myself and improve myself and improve myself. Even better than that, if you could get some live recording, and it's all out there on the web right now. I mean, my goodness, people, yeah. 
Y'all got so many more tools than what I had and Ben Rogers Lee had and Louis Stowe and DK had. All the old guys had till it is pathetic. If you can't improve your calling, that's on you. You don't have to be, and you ain't got to be a musician. Right. You can listen to what somebody that you admire and that you like their calling or real turkeys call from the back to back where it's nonstop and then listen to me. You know, listen to it. And I promise you, it will make you a better caller. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing. You know, first of all, I don't know that I ever really want to be a competition caller because you know and I know that that's not what is really going to fill your bag limit of turkeys at the end of the season, but it's not going to hurt you either. And that's the thing. If I can do something to make me a better turkey hunter and I can improve on, and there's always room for improvement in my calling, but if I can improve on the soft stuff a little bit or, you know, learning a little bit different call and maybe where I'm placing that, my tongue on that call when I'm trying to work my Yelp or do purrs or, you know, whatever it happens to be, then I feel like I'm just improving my game. And that's really what Amen. what I want to do. Well, here's the way it is. Nothing can ever be put in front of woodsmanship, period. Right. Nothing. Right. But you turn into a different animal yourself when you can become comfortable and versatile with your calling, and now you're a woodsman, and now you're a great caller. You don't have to be a competition caller, but you, you nailed it when you said, especially if you can get those soft, subtle sounds that a hen is almost always constantly making, right. unless you're scared. You know what I'm trying to say? Yep. Then put the woodsmanship along with that. I don't want you on my land. I yeah. promise you, stay off my land. Because <laughs> I know what's fixing to happen. You fix and kill. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and so I know from listening to a lot of folks turkey call at, at the NWTF convention, but also, you know, I do watch a lot of the videos that are out there on YouTube. I see the Preston Pittman videos. I see the Scott Ellis videos. I see the Chris Parrish videos. And I know that I don't have, I've got more practicing to do to get where I feel good about what I'm doing. I'm stopping you right there. That is the whole kink and the whole solution to the problem. You're not going to wait. Folks, y'all listen to me. Everyone, not everyone, but I promise you 70% of your listeners do not pick a call up until a few weeks before season. You're right. Riding back and forth to work, you have a perfect opportunity. You're not going to aggravate your wife. You're not going to have your kids going, Daddy, shut up. Right. When you're going back and forth to work in that vehicle, then you that sounds kind of like the recorder. You can hear that sound so much better. Now, of course, we're talking to diaphragm because I don't want y'all riding down the road trying to use a box call and driving with your knees. So <laughs> playing with that mouth call, <laughs> am I guilty? Yeah, I've done that before. I'm sorry. Guilty. But anyway, uh, 
and don't do it. Um, voice of experience. In, in playing with that, even if it's only once a week, you, you, you keep your muscles, your saliva glands, you keep everything trained, conditioned preseason. You wait till a week, two weeks, three weeks before the season, and then you're going, well, how do I do this? Well, how do I do that? Yeah. Well, I haven't got control of this. Yeah, you ain't practiced. Right. It ain't going to happen overnight. Yeah. But there you go. So two quick questions for you, Dan, kind of, kind of all related. Is there, because I know a lot of guys and, and women, too, that can't, run a diaphragm call because it makes them gag. Is there a way to get past that? Or is it just... Yes, there is. No, no. Yes, there is. Okay, nine out of every ten people that cannot blow a diaphragm have one or two problems. They And I said nine out of ten. There's always that tenth person I can't do anything about. But nine out of ten either have a very high palate or very narrow teeth. That's a great question, too, and one I like to address. With that being said, a standard frame call will not fit in between the teeth and seal on the roof of the mouth. I'm going back to the basics. The air has got to go in between the collar and the tongue. The collar has got to become part of the roof of your mouth. If you have, or if the call is wanting to rock and roll in your mouth, the air is wanting to go over the top, it feels real big, you feel like you're going to throw up, you're gagging, spit's going everywhere. Folks, I know I'm I'm nailing a lot of y'all. Then go to a small frame call. Some people call them a youth frame. I don't like to use that terminology. I like to use a small frame call. And I'm also fixing to give one of my competitors a plug here. Okay. If a standard small frame does not work, as a last resort, go to Primo's Game Calls and buy a mini dome. If that doesn't solve it, well... Go to a box call. Go to a slate call. Yeah. But, but, but Andy, look, 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 listen to me. I'm, I'm going to stick a diaphragm in my mouth for a second, okay? Okay. I'm going to make a few little sounds. All I'm going to do is I'm going to go. If that's all I can do, if that's all I can do, and I can't get past that, and I have seen people, and I do not recommend this, bite the tape and get half yelps or half wines out. You can still use that in the woods. You can start working that bird with a box call, a slate call, a glass call, whatever, and to close the gap. That last little bit you might or might not have to do, but if you so choose to, if that's all you can do on a diaphragm, it's going to put another bird or two on the ground for you. I promise you. Yeah. So thank you for saying that about the, the small frame calls, because when I have a very high palate 
And when I was first trying to learn how to use a diaphragm call, I I could make a I could make sound out of it, but it was a lot of right ears going over the the tape and over the roof of my you know between the tape and the roof of my mouth, and so you make several different styles of small frame calls, and I first picked up my or I I got my first small frame call from from you. It was one of your callers. And I started running that, and all of a sudden, I can run a diaphragm call. There you go. And it sounds like a turkey instead of, I don't know what I was sounding like, but, you know, like somebody who spits all the time when they talk, I you know. But it made a big difference for me. And i tell you what else. I have never had success bending a frame on the normal size calls. I, I've always okay. been so much that I would take the tension off of the the diaphragm off of the uh, latex and they just I've, I've ruined i can't tell you how many of those frames by bending them so the smaller frames i don't have to bend so that's been Co- huge for correct me. now if you, if you happen to fall into that mid-class it's it's not super small but it, the big frame doesn't fit but it's just a little bit big, you can always cut the tape off a little bit. That's been published for eons and eons. Mm-hmm. Anytime you bend a frame on any manufacturer, I don't care who it is, diaphragm call, you have just changed everything that that manufacturer put into the call. Right. I would rather see somebody cut all the tape off of a standard frame call, and I can blow a call without any, any you know, tape on it. But I'd rather see somebody cut basically all the tape off before they bend it. And if you just have to bend it as little as possible, you have now changed it from a trumpet to a trombone, or from a trombone to drums, or from drums to a piano, right. because even though people think that we're just throwing rubber in here and haphazardly doing everything, and this is every manufacturer, not just me, we all do this, the type of rubber, the thickness of rubber, the type of cut, the amount of stretch, that's all for a reason Mm -hmm. for that particular call. So you are correct. Bending that call is the worst thing that you could do. Yeah. Well, because I've, gotten so good at running those smaller frame calls and had run them so much now i can actually run a lot of the standard size frames it's just positioning in my mouth and you know knowing where i can put it and get the best sound out of it and so on and so forth so you know that's helped me i guess you know just practicing with that smaller frame and, and getting confidence in using the diaphragm period but yeah, it's opened the door for me for using a lot more of the standard size frames. But you know what, Andy? Even on the smaller frames, and I got one in my hand right now. I, I'm fortunate and blessed that I can blow just about anything. Yeah. People think that because those are little bitty ten ninety calls, you can't get the sound out of them. I'm just going to call a little bit, and this is a experimental call. 
not going to lie to you. Right. It's something that I'm thinking about putting on the market next year, but I do not put anything on the market until I play with it. So I'm going to be blowing a small frame a little bit this year, and you tell me what you think about this. You hear the volume I'm getting out of that call? I do. That is as small a frame that I know of is made in the whole industry. And like I said, I don't have a name for it yet. I don't know. But boy, I'm liking it. The only thing I've got to be careful with is since my mouth is so big and this call is so small, is not swallowing it. And yeah. I found out a long time ago if you swallow them, they hurt when they go down, they hurt worse when they come out, and they don't taste real good thereafter. <laughs> Oh, uh, I bet they don't taste good at all. Hey, I'm, right. I'm, I'm just glad you got it choked down because, you know. <laughs> uh, might have been pretty rough. But anyway, well, it's, what I have found out, is like what I told you, nine out of every ten people I can solve their problem with a small frame and or either cutting a little bit of tape off. One of those two things. And I know they're expensive. I know that diaphragms have gone up, but I'm going to tell you all what material's gone up. I had to say that as, as a manufacturer. Let me, let me give you a tip. Since we're kind of touching on mostly diaphragms tonight, you know, a lot of people go buy a diaphragm, oh, that sounds like snot, and they throw it away. Don't do that. Do not ever do that. Okay. If you buy a diaphragm and you don't like it, lay it to the side. Don't put it in the sunlight. I'm not going to go through all the basics unless right. you want me to. No. You know, lay it over to the side. Come back to it in a week, two weeks, three weeks. You see, rubber is going to age. Rubber is going to deteriorate, especially if it has an acidity to it, like what we have in our mouth mm -hmm. to break food down. It also deteriorates. And if you're a tobacco user, it's even worse than that. It's going to deteriorate the rubber. So you might come back to it in a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month. Take that call and put it back in your mouth and go, wow, this thing sounds great now. What happened? Well, what it actually did is the rubber deteriorated a minute amount. Mm -hmm. And the stretch loosened a little bit. And now it fits you. Now take that collar, put it in the case, in it, even if it's nothing more than a little plastic box that the call came in or a Ziploc bag, throw her in the freezer. Not the refrigerator, but the freezer. Don't take it out until you're ready to go hunting again. You get through, come back, dry it off a little bit, bam, put it back in that freezer. You can make a diaphragm last for years. Hmm. And I didn't mean years. If you'll take care of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's excellent info. All right. So here's really the main topics that I want to cover with you today. I have bought these different calls over the course of different years, obviously, and just to try them out and run them. And, you know, some of them I've 
been able to run pretty good. Some of them I've not. And to me, it has everything to do with the cut in the diaphragms. And I know there's more to it than that. There's, you know, the, the thickness of the rubber. There's the tension pulled on it. There's a number of reeds in that call. You know, there's a lot of different factors in there. But today I want to focus really on the cuts in these diaphragm calls. So I've written some of them down, and you tell, tell me if I'm missing out on anything. I've got basically an uncut call, then the double cut, which would be a cut on either side closest to the frame. The W cut, and that's kind of like the, the split B with another little notch cut out of each side, isn't it? Well, you have what I call a diamond cut. Okay, diamond cut. Then you have what is known as a bat wing. Yeah. That uh, the ears are pulled off and only the the point sticks out. Yeah. Then you have the where the point is cut out. That's called a ghost cut. And I got to say this. I never got to say this in public. Every cut that you just said, with the exception of the double cut on each side, and I give that to Dick Kirby or Quaker Boy Game Calls, I brought to the industry, and I can prove it by ads in Turkey and Turkey Hunting Magazine and Turkey Call Magazine. Those are all my inventions. I brought them to the industry. I got the right man on the on the phone. Now, there's going to be people arguing with me, okay? But I'm I can prove what I'm saying. I'm not going to argue with you. I can prove it. Now, the bat wing cut, I used to call it a tongue cut. And Mr. Don Ship from Arkansas worked with me on the ghost cut. That is a whistling call. But go ahead. I'll shut up. I'll let, I'll let you ask a question. All right. So I'm looking at all these different cuts, and, you know, I bought them all over the years, and some of them I can run and some of them I can't. And what I've determined with these different cuts is that, a lot of whether or not I can run them is or make what I feel like is a good sounding turkey call. I don't mean, you know, I can't get sound out of them. I just can't get good sound out of them, in my opinion. But a lot from what I've what I've seen and the more that I play with them, the reason that I'm not getting the right sound out of some of these calls is I'm not I've not got the right tongue placement on the diaphragm and probably not the right tension on with my tongue up against the the rubber on these calls. Am I right or wrong in, in thinking that? You're not gonna like my answer because I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you in a different way. Okay. You know, there are some there are some people that can play a trumpet excellent. Yeah. But you take that same person and hand them a guitar and they can't pick a string. You got some people that can play the drums, but if you put that guitar in their hand, they can't strum anything. Mm -hmm. You got the person that can play the guitar like crazy, but he can't blow a trumpet. That's my analogy to you. And that is the very reason why we build so many different types of calls. No, it's not necessarily you. Your mouth is your own individual sound chamber. Okay. 
my mouth is my own individual sound chamber. The difference between me and you, I want, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to be absolutely 100% honest with me. Sure. How often do you blow a diaphragm? Uh, so I'm not delaying. How often do you? How do you? Uh, how, do, how often do you blow a diaphragm? Okay, I I will blow a diaphragm. Let's say on a year. You want to go by the year? Yeah. Okay. Twelve months Pro- a year. Probably. I, I'm going to throw turkey season out. How about that? I'm not, uh, even though though that's still practicing, I'm throwing out roughly 60 days of turkey season out of the year. So we're talking over 10 months. I will run a diaphragm call off and on over a two-month period of time. And I would say probably once every third day. So that's 10 days in a month, 20 days if you exclude the 60 days during turkey season. Okay. You are the exception to the fact. But now let's imagine that if you blew a diaphragm, even if it was only 10 minutes a day, your commute back and forth to work and then from work to home. So let's say over a period of 20 minutes. And in that 20 minutes, you're probably not going to blow it or 20 and 20, which is 40 minutes. We're just saying you got 40 minutes, you know, commuting. Let's say during that 40 minutes, you only actually run a call five to 10 minutes. What you find out is, is as you repetitively blow a call, uh, you can start experimenting. Okay, let's move this call a little bit to the left. Let's move this call a little bit to the right. Uh, Let's move this call a little bit closer to my teeth. Let's go back a little bit further. And I almost hate to tell you this. Now let's tilt that call down. I can't even explain to you how I do it. But it's like pushing that call forward and tilting the call down a little bit, especially whenever I'm throat purring. I can get more vibration. So it's going back to what I really would like the listeners to to pay attention to is playing with it day after day after day after day and experimenting. Now all of a sudden your vocabulary, because that's what it is, has grown and has expanded and gotten larger and your dictionary is bigger and you've got more to pull from and you don't have to think about what you're doing, it just comes natural. I don't care if you've blown a diaphragm from t- for 10 years. By playing with it more and more and more and more, you are consistently and constantly going to get better and better and better. I'll tell you the truth about me. During my competitive days of 20, 25 years straight running, I kept a diaphragm in my mouth. Every single solitary day of my life. And it worked out anywhere from 30 minutes to three hours per day. I like being in a shower. Instead of singing, I'm blowing a diaphragm. Mm-hmm. Now, oh boy, I do what I tell people not to do. But I've done it so much right. 
that it comes back to me. And I'm not worried about perfect calling. I'm just worried about controlling the call. If a little mistake comes in there, guess what? I'm sounding real. Right. You put me on the stage, I'm dead last right now probably. (laughs) You put me in the woods, I'm going to kill turkey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you mentioned that, and and it is important to go back and touch on that because hens make mistakes when they they call. Their voices crack, just like ours crack when we talk. So, oh, yeah. you know, I, I think that's important for especially the beginner turkey hunters listening to this show to know if you mess up calling, keep you're going. not done. Keep going. Yeah. No, keep going. And, and, but don't overcompensate either. No. All right. I'll tell you what. Let me, you want me to give an example? Please. Just a few on the yips after it. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, don't don't keep going and you're like what you said. Very good point. Don't keep going and going and going. But uh, end it with something sweet. End it with something right. Yeah, that's the main thing. Yeah. Okay. So help me with some of these different cuts. Are you? With these different cuts on these diaphragms, are you running all these cuts the same way? Is your are you starting out running a, a ghost cut the same way you're going to run a bat wing? Or are you going to, you know, or is your tongue placed differently, you know, off to the side of one of those to get a clear note on the front end? Or what are you, walk me through some of that? I, I know there's there's a book in here about this topic, but. I just want to touch on some of them. All right, let, let, let me give you the basics. The more radical the cut, the raspier the sound. There's the basics. But there are a lot of differences. And the only real way that you can find exactly out what's best for you is to go back and try them. But I'm going to go back to some basics. Let's talk about the ghost cut because that's a very individual cut. Mm-hmm. That's where the hunk in the middle is taken out. That is designed to be a very high-pitched sound as long as you are blowing your air straight out your mouth. In other words, take you can take your hands and put on each side of your cheeks, split the difference, and cut it in the middle. That's where the air needs to come out of because whenever I... When me and Don Ship actually invented this car, this is what it was for. Right. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do what I call some little whippoorwill calling or high pitch, just very calm hen, okay? But when I go into the yelp, I am, because I'm right-handed, I automatically blow left. I'm going to shift my airflow to the left-hand side of the call. Okay. And the reason why I'm doing that, do you hear a little bit of rasp in there? Right. The reason why I'm doing that is is you're almost like blowing an uncut call as long as you're blowing straight. I blow left because I'm right-handed, and I always want to throw my sound left 
because I got more freedom of movement and more range of movement to my left. Mm-hmm. So literally, I am. Um, it's hard to explain, but it's like I'm moving my, I'm moving my lips to the left and I'm blowing out the left. What that does is where that cut is at. It makes that little ear that's there. It makes that ear vibrate, and that's whenever I get the rasp out of it. That's the easiest way for me to explain to you. Most of my calling, the cut kind of takes over on the sound. My favorite, my number one selling calling is a black diamond, and that's that's the diamond cut or inverted V. My personal favorite calls, the one I've got laying here on my dash right now, is a baton wing cut and a ghost cut. Those are my two favorites. One's called the vengeance, one's called the frequencer. That's my hunting. That's what you see in my pouch whenever I go in the woods. Right. I don't blow my number one selling call. Yeah. I don't blow the black diamond. It's not what I like. Yeah. Is there a way with that bat wing to tone that rasp down any, or is it just going to be a matter of experimenting and saying, okay, instead of having a three-read call or a four-read call, maybe I need a two-read or different thickness in the and the rubber or the latex, what what's the deal with that? Let, let's take a, a, a youngster that has taken the balloon, just an old rubber balloon, and sliced it up into thin strips. Mm-hmm. The more that that child, you know, that kid pulls on that rubber, the higher that note is going to be. Agreed? Correct, yes. The lesser amount of tension, the lower the note is going to be. That wing is my favorite call. So if I want a higher pitch sound, I put more tongue pressure on it. I'm trying to keep that top reed from vibrating as much. If I want the rasp to come into it, then I start releasing that tongue pressure. Gotcha. Think of somebody who does not know how to do a push-up the proper way and their rear end is sticking up in the air. That's my tongue, yeah. okay? So on the downstroke, when the person is going down doing the push-up, creates more rasp. As their rear end goes up in the air or more tongue pressure is on that call, the higher the note. Now, what happens is, is when you start trying to get loud, you're going to lose control of that call if you have too much tongue pressure on it. And then you're going to sound like a big old dog getting his tail stepped on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're, you're right. It still goes back to practice, 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 and then practice some more. And quit saying, I can't do this, or it don't sound right, All because right. you can always improve. You can always improve. I'm 66, and I'm still learning, and I'm still improving. I like I like that explanation and description you gave on on the tongue pressure. That that makes a lot of sense. And so, these raspier calls with the with the bat wing, and you know you can even get some good rasp out of those split V's. That just more pressure on that reed is gonna is gonna cut some of that rasp out and get you a little bit clearer front end on that yelp 
yes. As a general point. rule. As a general rule. When you start blowing more air or trying to get more volume, it is next to impossible to keep the raft like out of a diamond cut because the body, the tongue, the jaw is almost always going to release a little bit of pressure, which is going to allow that rubber to vibrate. And that's what we're doing is we're trying to create to where that rubber vibrates to create the rasp. But these people that you hear in competition, they're going... (laughs) That takes... Hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of practice. But I have moved that collar forward. I have tilted it down. I have laid more tongue pressure on it to get that first. And then I'm releasing I'm releasing the pressure. And sometimes I even slide the call back a little bit. Now, you try that, and you're going to have a nasty-tasting call. Because you're either going to spit it out on the ground or you're going to swallow it one of the two. <laughs> I'd be the one to spit it on the ground, I promise you. Okay. Well, it ta- it's, it's not something, and, and that's probably, everybody goes, how are you kidding that? How are you kidding that? You know, how's Matt Van Sice getting that? Or how's Chris Parrish getting that? My God, they practice. Yeah, they do. You know, and I used to. It's just learning it. It's learning. I preach this. It is learning how to play that musical instrument. You got the guy or the gal who can sit on the porch of the camp and pick on the guitar and entertain the snot out of him and have sing-alongs, have a great time. Now let's put that same person in what Carnegie Hall. Yeah, they're gonna sound like a sore thumb. Yeah, but yeah. now. That's the difference. That's the person who has dedicated their time to practice, 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 practice. Now, it is not necessary for you. You said it already tonight. It is not necessary that you become that good. But if you want to, and we're not talking competition. We're talking hunting. But if you can set yourself apart that you can do some of that. I'm sticking a column in my mouth. You're not like the guy who has gone to Walmart and bought him a car going... That guy can kill turkeys. Right. Don't get me right. wrong. But just that type of yelping. But if you can add the real McCoy, the real stuff in there, you're going to set yourself apart. And now instead of killing those uh, two-year-olds, that's a great bird. I'll shoot a two-year-old all day long. He's a long beard. All of a sudden, this spurs start turning into an oh, inch and eighth, inch and a quarter. Oh, my God, this one's got an inch and a half if you put a little bit of uh, patience in with it. Yeah. 
And you, and you said in the very beginning, soft stuff, that little quiet stuff, that little whippoorwills, that little wine, those little purrs, scratching in the leaves, you've now set yourself apart from everybody else that's out there. You have now turned yourself into a real in turkey. Mm-hmm. You'll be a better hunter. Mm-hmm. And this is good stuff. Hey, I've got somebody that wants to join in on the call. Do you mind if I bring somebody in? Bring on! All right. He is real upset that he's missed out on so much of it to start with. And well, it, just what, it's on tape. Hey, you can listen to it. Oh Well, what he doesn't know is he's going to be editing it, so he's going to be very familiar with it. Fantastic. There you I'll go. Get to, I'll get to hear the whole thing. Uh, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, Mr. Pittman. How about yourself? I'm still the same as you saw with the NWTF. I'm big, fat, bald, old, ugly, and don't care. <laughs> you ready to kill a turkey? I am so ready to, to put my foot on one's head. Yes. I'm ready to stomp <laughs> some heads. And I'm sorry Me if the too. listeners don't like it, but that's the way it is. Me too. I am ready. I like it. Well, Cameron, let me tell you what you've missed out on. We've been talking about different cuts on these diaphragm calls, Mm -hmm. a little bit about how we can get some different sounds out of them because, Preston, I was that guy that you just ran that call. I was that guy for years when I first started turkey hunting. And, you know, I just put the call in my mouth, found the spot to where I could get that particular call to run if I could get it to to play and make a, a good turkey sound at all and tongue stayed in the same spot and yelp 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 cluck cluck yelp 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 and that was pretty much it and you killed you know, turkeys i did you i killed a bunch of turkeys i killed a bunch of turkeys there you go. but I, I i can always just like what you and i talked about i can always improve my game sure and so, like what I told you, I've held all five world championships that they are, grand national championships, states, regionals, districts. I'm 66 years old. Do you know when I will quit learning? When they put you in the box. When I die. Well, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be cremated. I'm going to be put in some TSS number nine. And I'm going to give uh, you think I'm joking? I'm not. I am to be cremated. Ten shotgun shells to be loaded. By the Zach Downing uh, with number nine TSS, I have my people picked out, and my son-in-law, uh, Michael Blankenship, has the worst part of it. He's got to scatter the rest of me on my little 50 acres of land that's mine in the Chufa plot, and he is to blow a turkey's head off or the last turkey that tries to take a you-know-what on me. <laughs> <laughs> that. That is awesome. I, I love the putting your load of number nine TSS. I love that. So what what I, what my wife has instructions to do with me when I'm done is go to the most remote country church that she can find that has a cemetery in it and bury me to where I'm facing the back of that cemetery. I don't care if I'm facing east or south or whatever direction it is that you know, the, the people at the cemetery say you're supposed to be facing. I want to be facing the backside of that cemetery where the woods are because how many turkeys 
have you ever seen out in the country strutting in the old country church cemetery? That's right. It never fails. Never. If you're ever looking good, for one, that's where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Schoolyards are good, too. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Well, we've been talking a lot of about a, a lot of diaphragm stuff, Cameron. And uh, yeah, is there anything off the top of your head that you can think of that you want to get Preston to? Have you talked much about um, like a ghost cut? Because that's yep. a call that I struggle with. See, I've already covered that. Uh, uh, we we have covered that, but real quick, Emilio, real quick, uh, 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 overlay on that again. Whatever the word is, I'm looking for overlay is not it. That call is developed to to do a whistling type sound. So mm-hmm. you blow your air, you blow your air straight to get a higher pitched sound. You blow left or you blow right to make the ears work to create the rasp. Okay. So just kind of a quick synopsis of what we said. When we went into a little bit more detail on it. Okay, because with my bat wing, I mean, I just stay straight on it, and I can get that drop and make it get raspy. But with my, I'm just, I just don't feel like I'm very confident with a ghost cut. But I, a lot of people sound really good on them. So, you know what I would tell you? Why are you worried about somebody else sounding good? If a bat wing fits <laughs> you, then play the bat wing. Quit hey, trying to play a piano. Here. Quit trying to play a piano when you're good at a guitar. That's a good point. I guess I'll stick with the bat wing then. There you go. And you oh, experiment with the other calls during the off season. I mean, season's here. It's time it's to go here. kill now. Oh, excuse yeah. me. I didn't use the proper word. It's time to go harvest. I'm not. I'm gonna shoot them in the face. Nah, you kill. You kill on this show. There's killers <laughs> and there's everybody else. So, you kill on this show. So, let's talk. I, I do want to touch on this for some of the, the newer turkey hunters out there that are listening. These different cuts in these calls, we, just again, we're going to talk generalities because everybody's different. Some people can't play these certain cuts, just like Cameron was saying. He can't, you know, he can't run the ghost call like he, like he can run the bat wing. But are some mm-hmm. of these cuts in these calls, or these callers, I should say, better suited to make certain calls. Yes, yes. Let's touch are. on that, if you don't mind. Okay. A diamond cut or an inverted V is easier to produce brass out of, especially for the normal, everyday hunter that picks up a call two weeks before season opens up. The ghost cut, Ms. Cameron, you were talking about, is there to get a little bit more higher pitch type sound out, out of Keep or easier to do with. I have a very radical cut. i got to give myself a little plug here. It's called Seek and Destroy. I can't even describe it. It looks like two lightning bolts on each side. That is a super radical cut for the guy that puts way too much tongue pressure but still wants to be able to create some rasp. That's what that call is made for. A good, solid, general call is the bat wing because if you put a little more tongue pressure on it, you can get the higher notes with a little bit less pressure than you get the lower notes. For the beginner, 
who's never blown a diaphragm or is doing more just simply basic calling. Remember way back when we first started this show, you talked about the little nicks on each side, Mm -hmm. and I gave Quick Boy the credit for that, even though my old original first call, I moved the cuts a little bit more towards the middle because I found out it would create, we called it rasp back then, but it was more of a buzz. But for that beginner, a simple double read, double nicked call to me in my how many, 50 some odd years now, 50, dang gum, I'm getting old, has been the easiest call for people to use. Now, the only thing I can do is I can compare to my name brand calls. Mm-hmm. My beginning call that I stick in somebody's mouth is called the killer. That call is two reads of point zero zero four thousandths, which is a standard rubber in the industry, with a nick on each side. If you keep sounding like a high-pitched scream on it, then I would send you to my original call. The first one I ever put on the market is called the Champion Choice. It is a .006 thousandths rubber or a thicker rubber. It will withstand more tongue pressure. Between those two calls, the person that has a standard size mouth or a larger mouth should be able to begin calling. And if all they're worried about is killing turkeys, they can use those calls for the rest of their life. I still sell that call 50 years later. I still sell the old champion choice and the old killer because those are my standbys. I'm not going to give you a lot of rest, but they're going to give you a good, solid hunting sound with a little bit of buzz in it. Yeah, those two read calls that with the double cut, you can get a definite first and second note on a yelp in those. And that's what you, perfect. Perfect. And that's what you're trying to get. Yeah. High note, low note. High note, low note. High note, low note. And I think that this is going to be kind of funny for me to say. I think that I've gotten lazy with my diaphragm calling over the past two or three years in that my I'm not really producing two distinct notes or haven't been, and I've been working on that a lot this year to, to this preseason to not be so lazy with it and, and to make sure I'm getting those that high note and low note. Nope, you're not getting lazy. I know what's going on. Talk to me. What has happened, what has happened to you? How many years have you been turkey hunting? You. How many? 27, 28, 27. You have have unconsciously, you're not thinking about it anymore. You have gotten to the point to where you are relying more on your woodsmanship ability. And it's not that it's lazy, but you're putting yourself in the position or in the placement or in the place to where you unconsciously know that you need to be. You're relying on your woodsmanship ability and not your calling ability. I don't call that lazy. I call that maturing and getting to that point where you are starting to understand Mother Nature. I can't teach all that over a podcast. ain't going to happen. Only years will do that. 
But where you are right now is if I could get you to the point or you could get yourself to the point to where you really could play in the sympathy orchestra with that call, then you become the guys I talked about before, our gal, I don't want to leave women out here, that I don't want on my land because you are now redneck version, this is what I call you. You're now a darn killing machine is what you are. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're almost there. I always want to be better. Sure. We all do in everything in life. Yeah. You always try to get better and be better. Yeah. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Man, Preston, I, I appreciate you, man. I mean, this has been awesome. This has been a lot of great information, and I think it's something that the listeners are definitely going to pull some info away from. And so just so we know how to get in touch with you because it's, it's I think, pretty easy to find Pittman and Game callers around here and there. But tell us where we can find some of those calls that you were talking about just a little bit ago. Okay, PittmanGameCalls.com. And, Andy, what a lot of people don't realize is that I'm twofold. I am PittmanGameCalls.com. I am also LongleafCamo.com. But if you want to try to get through to me, and this is a bad time of year, my I'll even give my personal email out, Preston at PittmanGameCalls.com. But if you want product, go to PittmanGameCalls.com. I'm very proud to say that Longleaf Camo has brought our production back to this great country, the U.S. of A., and is being produced in Arkansas. And I will pick up our first prototype sets, our 36 sets, uh, this week whenever I go to the U.S. Open Turkey Calling Championship in Stuttgart, Arkansas at Max Prairie Wings. Any of the listeners that are out there that would like to improve on our calling or hear some calling, there'll be some seminars going on at Max. They need to be there this weekend. Don't know when this is going to air. It's this coming weekend, Saturday. Yeah, I think that's March 6th or 6th or 7th, something like that. And that's at right. Max Prairie Rings in Stuttgart. That's it. Sweet. That's it. I, I didn't even know that was happening. Can, well, I'm trying to help him. <laughs> <laughs> Can Cameron register for the calling contest, or is it too late for him? Heck no. I'm going to be chasing Osceola. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> you're sorry, Cameron. I mean, just you're, you're just sorry, because I ain't going. <laughs> well, I'm ready. It'll be my first year chasing him, so we'll see how it goes. Good. Good luck to you. He's in the, he's just a, just turkey. a turkey. Treat him like anybody else. That's yeah. right. He'll he'll do fine. He's gonna have a heck of a good time. I tell him that those Osceola hunts are something special. So just go and soak it all in, but don't don't lose the killer instinct and become an observer while you're there. I promise you, you that will will not happen. Good. Cameron, are are you going with an outfitter? Are you going to public land? What are you gonna be doing? Are friends? I'm, hunting a quota hunt down there um so it is public land with a friend of mine it's just the two of us and so you get drawn and you can bring a guest and so we're two of us are going it's gonna be public land but it is awesome. kind of limited 
on how many people will be in there, which is nice. Awesome. Well, if you don't mind, later on in another podcast, uh, if you have a good hunt, share that information because there's a lot of people trying to get that, that, that final murder, that ICL. He's the hardest one because it's only one half of one state. and uh, That's fact. The whole, that's it. So good yeah. luck. Have a safe night. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm I'm looking forward to it. It looks like terrain unlike any other I've experienced. So it should be a lot of fun. Be careful of the cotton mouse and the galligators or alligators. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Preston, Cameron's got a question that he wants to ask you, and he'd actually ask me to ask you this question, but he wants to know if you know somebody. Oh, Happy. good grief. Preston, do you know a guy by the name of Bo Moore? The name is familiar to me. His artwork is on the cover of Jack Dudley's book. Oh, I I don't know him personally, no. I don't, but no of, okay? Golly. Boy, you're going way back now. I'm a hero, (laughs) Mr. Dudley. Well, my... The guy who taught me at a turkey hunt told me when you talk to Preston Pittman, you ask him who Bo Moore is. Apparently, he was a hermit that lived out in the woods. Oh, uh, so so I understand. I wish okay. I was. <laughs> well, that's what I was told. He lived in the woods, and Jack Dudley and I guess his buddies that he ran with, they would take him an easel and he'd paint pictures for him. And that's why Mr. Jack wanted that painting on the front of his book. That's that cool. cool. That is so that cool. Is really cool. Yeah. Good deal. Preston, thank you. Always yes, appreciate you. Yes, sir. Well, thank you. L- l- let me leave it this way, if I may. Kids, stay in school. Technology is changing. Give all the education that you possibly can. But at the same time, youngins, rugrats, as I like to call y'all, remember, even that garbage can has got to be empty. The floor has got to be swept. The toilet has got to be clean. I don't care what you do in life. Do it to the best of your ability. Remember, there's a God in heaven. Jesus Christ is your Savior. Y'all be safe this season. You too. Wish you a lot of luck, and I look forward to seeing some pictures of you standing on some dead turkeys' heads here soon. Follow my my Facebook. I'm going to be on it a lot. The company Facebook, Pittman Game Calls. Thank you, buddy. Be safe out there, too. We'll talk soon. Y'all too. Bye-bye. Man. Is that awesome or what? He, that guy just, he knows so much of the outdoors and calling specifically with this episode, but he's just a character. I mean, he's just fun to talk to. He is. He's like us in the respect that he's extremely passionate about the sport. He's like us in that he knows he is us. You know, he's not better than we are, but he is so willing to share information and help us be better turkey hunters and be better outdoorsmen that, I mean, it just it speaks volumes to his character. Absolutely. So Cameron and I hope that you enjoyed the interview as much as we enjoyed conducting the interview. Well, as much as I enjoyed conducting the entire interview and <laughs> enjoyed being a part of 10 minutes of it. Yeah, I'm sad I missed the interviewing portion of it, but... I'll get to listen to it as I edit the audio, and so I'll pick up a lot of tips along the way, and hopefully I'll get to talk to Preston again at some point and pick his brain for longer than 10 minutes. I'm sure that'll happen as often as he has graced our show. I'm pretty sure it'll happen as well. So I wish you a lot of luck. You are leaving 
Thursday evening to go on a turkey hunt. Exactly. So Scouting Friday, hunting Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Trying to get my first Osceola. It would complete my first Grand Slam, but most importantly, would mark Florida off the list of states. To me, at least, that's the most important part. Yeah, well, safe travels to you, and safe hunting, and best of luck. And I am looking forward to seeing some pictures, but more importantly, I'm looking forward to hearing some audio from some of your hunts. Yeah, I'm going to do my best to, one, not lose the recorder, and two, turn it on even once the adrenaline gets pumping. So I got a whole passel of AAA batteries I'm carrying with me. I'm going to try my best to get the audio on there. I want people to experience what I experience, and I hope it's awesome. And I hope it ends with a boom. I hope so, too. And a woo. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. All right, man. Well, hey, I've got a turkey calling tip for this week. Let's hear it. We've gotten plenty from this episode, but let's hear your tip of the week. I'm telling you, there's tons of turkey calling tips for this week, but I'm going to throw one out there that I want you guys to think about and use, pretty easy to do. So speaking of diaphragms, and we've been talking a lot about them today, you know how some diaphragms have a very pronounced tab on the frame, and that tab goes, points downward when that call is in your mouth. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So you've noticed how some of those tabs are very pronounced. Have you noticed how some of them are not very pronounced? Maybe it's... Yeah thicker tape or you know just a different frame and the tab's not very thick and it's hard to feel it especially with your tongue they feel kind of slicker in your mouth almost have you noticed that there are some frames that have no tabs on them at all yeah all right so if you will take your diaphragm call and where that tab is pointing down if you'll cut with your scissors just a little notch on the right hand side of the tape on the front of that call. A little notch. I mean, I'm talking a centimeter and notch it out. So there's a a little piece of the tape actually cut out of the front of that call. Now what you have is something you can identify pretty easily in the dark before you ever put that call in your mouth to know I'm holding that call in my right hand. I've got the notch between my finger and my thumb and that call goes straight in my mouth just like that. I don't have to worry about having that call upside down or anything. So those callers that you have, those calls that you have that are not tabbed at all, the frames are not tabbed at all, or they have a very slight, very thin tab on them, notch those out so that you're not messing up and putting that call upside down in your mouth and trying to blow a turkey call to call in a turkey when you sound more like a goose. (laughs) That's a good tip. Very uh, logical thinking. Call needs to be in the correct way to sound like it's meant to be played. Yes, indeed. And, you know, it doesn't have to be the right side. For you left-handed people out there who are backwards, you can notch the left side. But notch one side of that so you can identify which side's up and Have at it. So that's your turkey calling tip of the week as if 45 minutes of turkey calling tips was not enough. We gave you one more to stick in your back pocket. Absolutely. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Also, don't forget about the turkey call giveaway that we have going on right now. And I know Cameron and I need to 
talk and kind of figure out what we're going to do as far as the Preston Pittman turkey call giveaway, what kind of contest we want to hold for that. Yeah. But remember that right now, this very second, you guys can enter to win a Zinc Calls Thunder Ridge Series slate. And what you need to do is join the NWTF if you're not already a member. And then once you join the NWTF, email me your receipt from where you paid your annual membership for the NWTF. And remember, I told you guys that you're going to have a really good chance of winning this contest if you enter. And I'm right, because a lot of you guys listening to the show are already NWTF members, and some of you are just not going to join the NWTF and not going to enter the contest. And some of you are going to join the NWTF but not enter the contest. So I'm telling you all this to say you have a very good chance of winning this contest because there's not going to be a bunch of competition. I want there to be. I hope I get 100 entries, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of competition for this contest. So join the NWTF if you're not already a member and send me your receipt from the NWTF showing that you've paid your annual dues, and you can email that to me to andy at iamturkeyhunting.com. Now, before we sign off, Cameron and I would like to ask our favor of the week, and the favor of the week is this. Again, share this week's episode using the share feature in your podcast player application and share it with two turkey hunting buddies in your contact list just two of your buddies. If you'll share the link for this week's episode, you never know. They may pick up a little tip from Preston Pittman that might help them call a turkey in for you this spring. Very good point. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.